Good morning, everybody. Look at your neighbor next to you. Tell him, I'm so glad you came today. And look at your other neighbor. Say, I'm glad you're here, too. Hey, how's your summer going? Everybody's having a good summer? Enjoying some time away, some vacations, running out of money, you know, all this stuff that happens. Y'all know how it goes. Yeah, Cynthia and I got to spend the last couple of days in Pensacola, but we weren't at the beach. Uh, Our son Judah is enrolled at UWF, and so we went to orientation and uh, getting ready for him to take that step. Come on, it's, it's hitting mom and dad a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Got real this weekend. Got real. And so we're excited for him and his steps that God has ordained for him. And so I'm so happy to be back in this room today. Thank the Lord for last week. It was such a great service. By the way, you guys were singing last week, or sanging, should I say. You know, there was one song, we were finished, and y'all kept going. And so we just kind of went along with you. And so thankfully, we were able to, to pivot last week and have service. And so this week, we're back in the room, and the AC is on full blast. And if you're cold, you're cold. We love you, too. Yes. Anyway, I could teach you lessons about staying warm, but I'm not. I want to preach. John chapter 21, verse 2 through 7. John 21, verse 2 through 7. I usually read out of the New Living Translation. From time to time, people ask, what version do we like to use? I really like the New Living Translation. However, when I speak, I do use some other versions. And today, I'm going to use the NIV, the New International Version. Y'all okay with that? All right. Even if you wouldn't, we were going to do it anyway. And so, John 21 verse 2 through 7 out of the NIV. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. And there's a lot of guys right now really liking this and the way it's going so far. Um, So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing, got skunked, caught nothing. Anybody ever been there before? Yes, not a fun trip, a lot of work, no reward. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? It's that guy that passes you in the boat and says, y'all caught anything? Y'all know that guy? And really what he's trying to do is find out where he needs to fish, by the way. He ain't interested in what you caught. He just needs to know, can I come fish right there? And so Jesus on the shore, he calls out, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. They fished all night, caught nothing. And then they tried the other side of the boat and caught a lot. And so today I want to speak a message entitled, The Other Side. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that we can be in this place, in this room, with all of these people. But most importantly, you're here. And Lord, over the next few moments, we need you to speak. I'll say the words, but we need you to speak. And Lord, I just ask, Lord, that the things that each person in this room needs to hear, the faith that needs to grow, the step that needs to be taken, the hope that they need, perhaps even the answer they need, God, they will hear you speak to them today. Lord, just use me simply as a mouthpiece. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to do this today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Growing up, maybe your mom was a lot like mine, but 
if you woke up in a bad mood, she would often tell us, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you now, as a parent, you're saying that? Yeah, yeah. And so she would say, you need to go to bed and wake up on the right side of the bed. And I just wonder, what side did you wake up on today? Come on, don't point to the person sitting next to you. They may need to go back to bed, and they're probably like, yes, I do need to go back to bed. But which side of the bed did you wake up on today? Today we're talking about the other side, and we love to choose sides. Uh, There's a lot of uh, sports fans in the room, and so when you begin to talk sports, in fact, I was talking to a guy this morning who uh, found out that I was an LSU fan and immediately began to uh, let me know where he stood with his team. (laughs) We like to choose sides in sports. We, We like to choose sides in arguments. Uh, even in family drama, come on, don't act like you don't do it. But we like to choose sides. We like to choose sides in arguments. Uh, there's just something about us that 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 we we choose sides. Uh, and I think we've all learned this by now that there's more to, more than one side to the story. And if you hadn't learned that yet, there's more than one side to every story. Okay. Um, and what we tend to do is this: we tend to tell our side. We tend to tell our version. We tend to tell it the way that we like it, the way that we want it to be, the way that we are used to it being. In fact, not only do we like telling our side, we like to get people on our side. We really do. I I see it with parents. They like to get other parents on their side to try to persuade their kid to do what they couldn't persuade them to do. But maybe they can get another parent or another uh, one of their kid's friends on their side so they can pursue and and convince their kid to do what they want them to do. But we're trying to win people to sides. And I, I think in the world that we're in now, we have become so sided, all sided. And I don't think some people even know which side they're on anymore. And some of those people sit in the church. Not sure which side we're on because we're afraid of offending uh, another side. Or afraid that the other side may not like me. And this message isn't intended to create a debate or, or to try to go down that road at all. Because it's easy for us to talk about the other side uh, of other people in other situations, but today what I want to I want to focus on is there's another side to you. There is another side to you. Now, some of you are going to take this immediately into the place where you say, "Well, maybe that person is two faced," and you could do that if you want. But that is not the intent whatsoever with this message. I think that there is a side to you you did not realize that you had. And there is a side to you that you are the most comfortable with. And that's usually the side you go with. We usually go with the side that we are the most familiar with. The side that we have entertained and used for years and years and years. The side that, that, that is so natural to us. The side of us that even if we tried to go to the other side, it's like a flip of a switch and we can go right back. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in the room that has another side to them. There's the, the, let's say it like this, there's the church side, and then there's, I'm working on a home project side. Anybody relate? There's my church language. Mm. Just say mmm to your neighbor. There's, there, there's your church language, and then there's, I'm watching the ball game language. Just look at your neighbor again and just say, mm, mm. Because for sure we're not talking about you. We're talking about them. The person on the other side of you. Am I right? Look at them and say, he was talking about you. It's you. It's you. And so um, we have our own versions of how things should go. How we think they need to go. We have our own interpretations of how we believe it should be. We have our own perspectives based off of our own experiences. And a lot of times without realizing, we try to project it on others thinking they need to think exactly the way that I do. And when they don't, we get mad at them. And that's not just people outside of our house. That's people in our own houses, our own homes. Amen? It happens, y'all. And so the disciples are in um, a familiar place 
and an unfamiliar place all at the same time. The familiar place that they're in is they're fishing. And if you remember, a lot of these guys were commercial fishermen, and so they knew everything there was about fishing. But for the last three-plus years, they have been spending time with Jesus every day, and so they haven't fished in a while. And so they're in an unfamiliar place because now Jesus has died, and not only has he died, he's been resurrected, and they're not sure really where he's at, and they're not sure really what to do. And so they're in an unfamiliar place, and so they did exactly what we would have done. Let's not act like we're more spiritual than the disciples, you know what I'm saying? Uh, They went back to what they were most familiar with. They went back to the nets that they they left. They went back to the boat that they left, because now Jesus is gone, and we're not sure what to do. And so when we don't know what to do, we oftentimes go right back to what we're the most familiar with. And it comes so easy to us. It's like no one has to show you how to do that all over again. You remember specifically how to do it. In fact, it is so easy to revert back to our former way of living. There is really no instructions that are needed. Am I right? I mean, we can revert. All it takes is one person to push us over the edge. And we haven't dealt with a temper in years but one person just pushes us over on that side. And next thing, next thing you know, the side that we have not seen or heard from in years just shows up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And even you are wondering, where did that come from? I thought I was past this, but it's still there. Uh, how do they say that? You can take the boy out the country, but you can't take the country out the boy. Is that how the saying goes? And, and I, I think there's a little bit to that. But the disciples, they're in this place where they're unsure what to do, what's going on, and where is Jesus? We know he was raised from the dead, but where are you at? We were running with you every day, and now we can't find you. They have this relationship with him. They listen to him all the time, but now they are unsure where he is. And I've got a feeling there's a lot of people in the room that have a relationship with Jesus. And they've heard the words that he's spoken, but it's like in their situation, the situation you're in right now, the question is, Jesus, where are you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus, where are you at? So they're in a familiar place and an unfamiliar place. They were so used to this access to Jesus that before they would even ask, Jesus was already breaking it down. You know what I'm saying? They, 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 couldn't, they didn't even have time to recognize the need for a miracle. And Jesus was already telling them, you get the water pots, fill them up with water. Let's get busy, boys. We're about to turn some water into wine. It's like Jesus was already in the, in the spot of knowing what to do. And they are in the spot now where they don't know what to do. They've seen a lot. They've heard a lot. But they're unsure what to do now. So they went back to what they were doing right before Jesus, which was fishing. They went back. And I've learned that uncertainty will always give you the opportunity to go back and search a familiarity. I want to say that again. Uncertainty will always put you on the search to go back and look for what is familiar to you. This is why we we cycle over and over. It's not because we want to do that again. It's we're the most familiar with that. And because we're the most familiar with it, we're comfortable. And it's almost like if I can't find comfort in what I'm unfamiliar with, I'm going to find comfort in what I am familiar with. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? And I'm trying not to ramp this up too much because if I get all emotional and excited, y'all get excited, but you miss the message, okay? So I want to stay down and help you to get this um, today. Um, It's obviously been a while since these guys have been fishing. It's been probably three plus years since they have been fishing, but they still remember the technique. They still remember how to do it. They've been doing it a long time. It's like riding a bike. No one has to show you how to do it again. You just got to get back on the bike. And after you get back on, you get more familiar with it. You start trying to do all the things you used to do, like a bunny hop. Don't do the bunny hop. If you hadn't rode a bike in 20 years, you're going to fall down and hurt yourself and come to a healing service. And the healing will be, don't get on the bike like that. And so even though they remembered the technique, they fished all night and they caught absolutely nothing. 
And then Jesus shows up. And I know you're excited about Jesus showing up, but they did not recognize that Jesus had actually showed up. They didn't see who the guy really was on the shore. All they know is there was this guy on the shore that yelled at them and asked them if they have caught any fish, and they said no. And then the guy says, throw the net on the other side of the boat. He actually tells them, throw the net on the right side of the boat. And I had to really study this to figure out why did he tell them to throw it on the right side. If I was fishing, I'd be throwing it on all sides of the boat. When I go fishing, we don't just fish one side. We fish every side. We are desperate to catch something because we need a picture to show you. Amen? Amen? Come on, Will. Will likes to hold that fish way out. Perspective makes it look like it's bigger than him. Love you, Will. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting that Jesus tells them to cast the net on the right side because they don't typically cast the net on the right side of the boat. They always fish off the left side. I had to figure out this. Like, why? The left side of the boat is known as the port side. This is the most accessible side of the boat to fish off, off of. The right side of the boat is called the starboard. I really had to study this. I didn't know this. I just thought, go fishing, catch fish, come home, eat it, okay? The right side is called the starboard, and before ships had rudders on their center lines, they were steered with a steering oar at the stern of the ship on the right-hand side of the ship because more people are right-handed. So they put the the, the steering mechanism on the stern on the right-hand side, And if you throw the net on that side, you have a chance that the net's going to get caught up in what's steering the boat. So they would fish off the left-hand side. They didn't have to worry about things getting caught up. So this man, this random guy, according to what the disciples can see, is checking on their fishing quantities, and they have none. And so he says, why don't you throw on the other side of the boat? And I don't know if these guys had just reached a point of frustration where they're like, I'll do anything. I can remember as a kid going fishing, true story, where we were so discouraged about not catching anything, we would literally pray out loud. You think, it, you think I'm joking here. You can call, call my cousin Earl. Yes, I have a cousin named Earl. And we would go fishing at the pond behind the house, and we were catching nothing. We would literally begin to pray out loud. Like we would repent of our sins out loud. Lord Jesus, forgive me for everything, for talking to mama like that. I'm so sorry, Lord. But if you could just help us catch a fish today, anything, I mean, that's a desperation, am I right? And me and Earl would pray that prayer, and sometimes it worked. And I don't know, maybe we threw it in the right spot or something. But they have no clue who this guy is that's walking on the shore. And Jesus uh, says, throw the net on the other side. And I have to tell you, this is going to challenge their usual process of operation. And this is the turning point of the sermon. Because in everything that I'm going to tell you today, what I'm trying to say is this, is that Jesus wants to challenge the usual process of your operation. And I love you enough to tell you that. Because if we think that we're just going to get Jesus on our side of the story. Do you remember back when Joshua was trying to go into the promised land and he encountered someone? And the question that was asked was, whose side are you on? Ours or there? And the angel of the Lord responded and said, neither. But as commander of the Lord's army, I have come. Let me tell you what that's code for. You probably ought to get on our side because we're about to clean house. Okay, that's what that means. For those of you who are so lost in in Bible interpretation, that's what that means, okay? And so it's not a matter of trying to get Jesus on our side as much as it is Jesus trying to get us on his side. And your mode of usual process of operation could possibly be the very thing that gets in the way of what Jesus really, really wants to do in your life. I'll give you an example to help you. Let's say you're dealing with some people drama. Because that's not something, you know, that no one can escape. 
Let's say you're dealing with people drama and your usual process of operation is to hold a grudge. And you say, Pastor Wade, it's been working for me for 33 years. And it's going to work for me for 33 more. And Jesus says, but I want you to throw the net on the other side. And this is where it's so challenging for so many of us because we're so used to automatically holding the grudge that we can't even see that we hold a grudge. And we're so busy trying to get Jesus to think the way that we do that we don't even see ourselves in the place of holding a grudge against someone because it is comfortable for us. It is our usual process of operation. It's what we do. It's how we do what we do. We have done this so much I don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to strategize anymore. It's just just automatic to me and then Jesus shows up and says you're not getting a whole lot out of that we're saying I have no friends we're saying no one wants to hang out with me no one wants to spend time with me this is what we're saying and Jesus is saying because you've thrown your net on the wrong side you've got to throw your net on the other side But that side doesn't make sense to us because that's not the side that you're supposed to fish from. That's the side that we steer from. This is my control side. This is where I control. Is this too hard for a summer summer sermon? Is this just too much? I I didn't ask for this, man. I'm telling you, this other side thing been burning in me all week. And I tried to dodge that bullet, but it just kept coming for me. So... Let's go through it together, okay? Let's just go through it together. We're so used to being in control and operating according to how we think it ought to go. At work, we do it too. What they ought to do is this. At our kids' school, what they ought to do is this. And at some point, we may have to look at ourselves, and if we're always in the place of saying what they ought to do, we should go ahead and conclude, maybe I am a control freak. Maybe my process of operation is more to control them. Amen? Anyway, I just... I, I, the, this challenged their usual process of operation. And at this point, guess what? They're not even certain who the person is that's telling them to do this. They don't realize it's Jesus. If they know it's Jesus, of course. Yes, Lord. Yes. If Jesus shows up in here today and tells you to do something and it's Jesus, you're like, yeah, Jesus, let's do it. But if you're not sure it's Jesus, who you think you are? Amen? Come on, who do you think you are? Some of y'all are saying that about me right now. But for some reason, they listened. And then they bring in this huge haul of fish. And after they bring in the haul of fish, this is where they recognize, oh, That's Jesus. Perhaps they recall the day when they were originally called by Jesus. When Jesus asked to use Simon's boat so he could preach because the crowds were pressing in on him against the shore. And Jesus like, I'm running out of shore. I I, I need some help. Hey, you, you got a boat. Can we borrow your boat? Let's go out a little bit. And he would speak to the crowds from the water and the water would help project his voice so that everyone can hear Jesus. He knew how the production team worked. I like it. I like it. I like it. And after he uses Simon's boat to preach, he tells him, let's go into the deep water. And it was there that Simon has a huge catch of fish and he catches so many he can't even bring it in the boat. He has to get others to help him to bring it in the boat. And so I can only assume that in this moment where this man says, throw the net on the other side, and they're pulling in this huge haul of fish, they're flashing back to that first day when they recall trying to pull the nets in. It was so many, and it was at that moment that they had a revelation. That's not just some man walking on the shore. That's not just some preacher standing up in a pulpit. That is Jesus himself that is trying to tell me something today and at once what did you you can finish reading John 21 today for homework what happened Peter jumps and runs towards the shore because he wants to see Jesus because Jesus where you been where have you been you died the other day you came back to life the other day you show up sometimes we don't know where you are we don't know what to do where you at
that's when this moment where Simon, who was just a fisherman, the day Jesus calls him, he was just Simon, just a fisherman. And now this day, where Jesus tells him to throw it on the other side, he's not Simon anymore, he's Simon Peter now. And he's a fisher of men. And it's amazing how quickly he can go from being a fisher of men to being a fisher. And it's not that the fishing was bad. It just wasn't everything that he was meant to be. This is huge because it's so easy to revert back to the comfort stages of when it was easier, when it was less headache. Anybody in here in any leadership position at one point in time had had the thought, oh, I, this ain't worth it. This is too much headache. I'd rather just be a worker than to be the one that oversees all the workers. It was so much less headache. But we forgot about all the ambition. We forgot about all the hard work and all the drive and all the dreams that we had to try to get us to the place to where we could be in that leadership position. And now that we're in the leadership position, we realize, oh, I thought this was fun, but this is, this is hard. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Yes, it's hard. And so it's so easy to revert back to, I'll say it this way, the Simon side. It's easy to go back to the old familiar side, but then there's the Peter side, which is the side that Je the, who Jesus said he was. And you have a Simon side. And you have a Peter side. You have the person that Jesus says that you are, that you want to believe, that you're trying to believe, that you're reading the Bible, you're listening to the scripture, you're praying, and you're trying to operate in, and you're trying to function in, but the frustration of not being there yet. Anybody ever traveled before? Of not being there yet will wear you out and cause you to look at some options along the way, and instead of going to the destination, we'll stop here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just tired of traveling. I'm just tired of uh, I'm tired of of all of the things that come. We're trying to be the Peter side, and so we just revert back to the Simon side. And we see through the Gospels that this guy Simon Peter, it's literally like he flips back and forth from being Simon. To be in Peter. There are moments where it's like, oh, this guy is the guy that, that yes, we're going to build the church on this rock and, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And then other moments we see, oh, that's a Simon. This, this, this guy is operating a lot like Simon. Now, I want us to be careful that we don't just overrun Simon Peter. I told you last week, I really like the guy. And I really believe in heaven he's going to sit us down and say, okay, let me tell you how it really went because I heard how y'all said it went and I wasn't that bad of a dude. You know what I'm saying? I, I want you to keep in mind the events that just occurred because, yes, we know what Jesus did over the last few days, but I want to rewind you back to the day that Jesus died when Peter denies Jesus. And after he denies him three times, he runs away weeping bitterly. He didn't just get emotional, y'all. He was breaking down. He was having an emotional breakdown. And oh, let's not forget this, that they all had a friend. Even though they write about him pretty ruthlessly, they had a friend whose name was Judas. And even though he sold Jesus out, he was still their friend and he committed suicide. Let's not take away the emotional quotient from what these guys were really dealing with. This is the state that Simon Peter is in right now. And so when I say Peter is unsure of what they're supposed to be doing because he's kind of the leader of this thing, I think it's more of he's uncertain of who he really is. It's not just I don't know what to do. It's more of I don't know who I am anymore. He feels more like Simon than he does Peter. And the words that ring out, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail. He definitely did not feel like that that day. Anybody knows that feeling where you're just not feeling it. Come on, I want to be it, but I'm just not feeling it. Have you ever felt more like Simon than Peter? More like who you've always been than who Jesus says that you are. And what I've learned is sometimes we listen to what Jesus says. Sometimes we do. But sometimes we listen to what Simon says. I remember that little game. Yeah. 
And I think sometimes we think it's Satan. But it's self. We think it's the devil that's telling us this stuff about us. But a lot of times it's ourselves. Because it's what we're so, most, we're, we're so familiar with. We're so familiar with that language of how we speak. And listen, how you speak to yourself is usually different than how you speak to others. I mean, we're hard on ourselves. To others, man, I mean, we, we're nice. For the most part, some of us. <laughs> to ourselves, though. And all I can think is if that's how we talk to others, imagine how we talk to ourselves. We have our own sayings, we have our own habits, we have our own tendencies. Some of us, whenever we experience a failure or something doesn't go right, we immediately begin to beat ourselves up. That's what Simon says. And that's something how we, we, we're just, it's kind of like we, we're, we're programmed naturally to do that. But that's not what Jesus says. And I want to drive that point home today. That is not what Jesus says about you. All the negativity that has been spoken over you or that you have spoken over yourself or you have projected that they have spoken over you. Notice that. You ever heard, just assume that's what they are saying about you only to find out that's not really what they're saying about you, but that's how you feel about you and it looks like they're in agreements with how you feel about yourself. So surely that's what they are saying, but you don't know for sure if that's what they are saying and so you go through all that relational drama only to find out that is not at all what they were saying. There's a lot of that going on in our world today. A lot of that going on where we just assume that's what they're saying. That's what they're thinking. Why? Because Simon is just sitting there telling you all kinds of stuff. I bet they think this about you. I bet they think this about your kids. I bet they think this about your family. I bet they're saying this. I bet they're saying that. I bet. I bet. And who is that? That for sure is not the voice of the Lord. That is not the voice of the Lord because the voice of the Lord is always pulling you up. He's leading you up. Even in his correction, he is leading you up. He is leading you into who he wants you to be. But there is a lot of self in us that still needs to be crucified. And that, that guy's name is Simon. And God help us when a bunch of Simons get together. Because it's easier to talk about what it was like when it was Simon than it is to sit there and talk about what it's going to be like when we finally step into the sanctified person that he wants us to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on, sanctification is not easy. It's a process of change. But I'm used to fishing on this side. And Jesus said, throw the net on the other side. So I want to teach us three lessons from the other side. Three lessons from the other side. Here's the first one. Jesus might ask you to do something uncommon. He may ask you, in fact, let me say it this way. He's going to ask you to do something uncommon. Let me just say it that way. I would love to bless you with an easy talk here today. But I'm telling you, the Lord is going to ask you to do something that is uncommon to you. And this is what it's going to change. This is what it's going to challenge. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Hello, my good friends, because even I have the ways that I have always done it. And I look at the track record of a lot of those things that I've always done. And guess what I keep getting? What I've always got. And Simon was in the boat of always doing it the way he's always done it. And Jesus says, hey, throw the net on the other side. And he asked him to do something uncommon. What if this is how we have done, always done it, is the limitation that you didn't realize that you had? Like, what if it's just normal practice to stress out, and you've done it so many times that that situation really isn't stress out worthy, but because we've practiced it so much, that's just the automatic reaction to it? Or what if it's anger? You know what I'm saying? That guy really didn't cut you off that bad in traffic. It wasn't really that bad. But because you've practiced it so many times, you lose your mind over someone you probably should have just let in. And, and this, is what's so, this is what's so crazy about it. That's not a big thing. But because you've practiced that way so long, it's uncommon for you. 
Like it's uncommon just to give someone the benefit of the doubt. It's uncommon because one person burned you back 20 years ago and now everybody has an agenda to try to burn you. And so now that becomes your mode of operation. And so the Lord is trying to bring an opportunity right there to you. But because of your mode of operation that you've used for so long, you just can't even recognize that the Lord is actually bringing it right there to you. Jesus might ask you to do something uncommon. What is some of the common traits about you? Notice I didn't just talk about what you do, but I'm talking about who you are. Some common traits about you, like your temper, your anxiety, your fear. Is it really giving you the outcome that you thought you would get? Come on, is, is this really hitting home today? Like, are, are all these, these, these behaviors that we have practiced for so long, is it really producing the outcome that we thought we would get? And this is where we can't be surprised if Jesus asks us to throw the net on the other side. See, Simon Peter, he always fished like that till this day came. And he went on the uncommon side. And on the uncommon side, it produced more than what he ever expected. I think some of these things are becoming too common to us. Fear has become too common for us. Stress is becoming too common for us. Anger, unforgiveness, holding grudges, gossip, rumor. It's becoming too common for us, y'all. And Jesus is saying, you got to throw the net on the other side. You're acting too much like Simon, but I'm trying to call you Peter. Because I see something in you, but what I see, you're trying to act like you've always been instead of the person who I said you could be. This is a lesson from the other side. Here's the second lesson. Jesus will restore you to who he says you are. It's amazing how a huge haul of fish helped them to realize, oh, this is Jesus. Why does it take a miracle to convince us that Jesus knows what he's doing? Like, seriously, man, I'm in, I'm in the same boat, too, because I want to see miracles, man. Come on, Jesus, flex, let's go. Like, I want to see all of that stuff. But what about his faithfulness? See, we like the flex, but what about the faithfulness, the consistency, the same yesterday, today, and forever? Like, I like that part, too, because I don't want a schizo Jesus who could just work a miracle, and the next day we don't know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? And that's how a lot of people are as believers. All they have is like this mode where they're like super spiritual or are they super crazy. What about faithful, 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 faithful? You know what I'm saying? Consistent, consistent, consistent. Their Christianity goes from situation to situation. And what about in between the situations? You know what I'm saying? MIA. That's where they're at. MIA. Faithful, faithful, faithful is where it's at, y'all. And this is what I've learned. When you recognize Jesus for who he is, you will always be reminded of who he says you are. And that, my friends, is why worship is so important to you. Because worship is recognizing and acknowledging Jesus for who he is. And whenever I worship the Lord, I need you to know on a Sunday when we're in here singing, it's not just singing along to the songs. I don't want anybody to hear me. You know, I just, hold on. I don't worship like that. I don't believe you really have to be expressive in your worship. I think the Lord sees your heart. Tell me what you're getting out of that. Because maybe the Lord's saying, throw your net on the other side and throw your hands up in the air and acknowledge that he is God. You see, we're so focused on doing, doing, doing. And what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And Jesus is focused on who you are becoming, becoming, becoming. See, worship isn't what you do. It's who you are. I'm a worshiper. That's why I worship. I don't worship because I'm getting God, trying to get God to love me. He already loves me. And he called me his son. So I worship him because that's what we do in our family. Because that's who we are. And I believe that day when Jesus showed up, Simon Peter, he was losing who Jesus said he was. And Jesus had to show up in his life. 
to bring him back to who he really was. And there's a lot of people in here today. The reason that you're here is because the Lord's trying to get you to be who he wants you to be instead of living like the person you have always been. You've been trying not to be that guy for so long. Been trying not to be that kind of mama. Trying not. We're not going to. We're just not. We're not going to be that kind of person. Well, what kind of person are you becoming by not trying to be all of that? At what point are we going to say, I'm going to be who he says I am, who he wants me to be? He will restore you to who he says you are. We talked earlier about Simon Says. We talked about what Jesus says. And I could tell you the voice of Simon is the voice of condemnation. The voice of Simon, it's complaining. The voice of Simon, it's comparison. The voice of Simon, it's compromise. But Jesus is the voice of truth. He is the voice that gives life. He is the voice that brings hope. He is the voice that sets us free. And better yet, he is the voice that speaks your identity of who you are. Are. Do you remember when the father spoke to him? He was stepping into the river for his baptism. And the Bible says that the dove ascended on him. And the voice spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And at that point, Jesus has never done a miracle. He's never done anything. He's never done anything to impress his father, to show his dad, hey, I'm good, dad. He was just his son. And he lived his life being the son and acknowledging his father. And this is what's so challenging about Simon. Simon always acknowledges other people, but doesn't look for the father. Because it's the fear of what other people think. It's the fear of what other people say. It's the fear of what other people doing. You ever notice how competitive he was? He had to be the one that said, let me go walk out on the water. He was trying to prove something. He was trying to be something. But Jesus already had plans for who he needed to be. He didn't have to flex to prove it. He just had to follow. That's a word right there. He just had to follow. And a lot of us, we won't follow the voice. Because it's not common with our mode of operation. It's uncommon to us. And so we keep listening for voice after voice after voice. We search the internet. We read the books. We watch the TV shows. We look for this voice, for that speaker, for that camp, for that conference, for all of those things to try to find someone who aligns with what is common to us. And Jesus is calling us to the uncommon, to step out of the usual. I want you to think about Simon. He has to feel defeated. I know I would. If I was in this situation, I would feel pretty defeated. It's just days ago when he denied Jesus after Jesus told him he would do it. I'm sure he beat himself up pretty well over that. Because he didn't feel worthy enough to be Peter. He didn't feel like a fisher of men for sure. So he went back to just being a fisher. But in this story right here, this is where Simon is reminded that he is Peter. And if you read on in John chapter 21, Jesus affirms him again. He reaffirms him. In fact, I think that was a pivotal moment for, for Simon Peter because now Simon Peter can stand in the upper room, which is coming in Acts. He can stand in the upper room as the leader that Jesus said that he would be. Don't think of leadership as something you do. Think it as something that you become. This is so important because if it's only something you do, it'll crush you. And whatever leader you follow, if you think it's all about doing, you will always criticize what they do. But if you follow them and see who they're becoming, it'll change your perspective of leadership. Come on. That's a lesson still learning to this day for myself. Simon was reminded in this situation that he is Peter. Can I say this? Jesus isn't trying to punish you. He wants to redeem you. 
He wants to restore you, and he wants to prove to you that you don't have to live like Simon, but you can be the Peter that he has called you to be. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that today? And here's the last point, okay? Let me recap. He might ask you to do something uncommon. This is a lesson from the other side. He may ask you to do something uncommon, but he will restore you to who he says you are. And here's the third lesson from the other side. Jesus shows up right when you need him. They wasn't even looking for him, y'all. They were going the complete other direction. There's a lot happening in this story. But can't you tell the disciples needed this? God, they needed this. Jesus showed up right when they didn't even realize they needed him to. And what's interesting was he showed up where they went back to. Not to make them feel better about being there, but to remind them about where they were going. He brought them, he showed up there to remind them, you're not just fishers, you're fishers of men. And today my prayer is this, my prayer is that Jesus showed up in this place and is speaking to you who you really are instead of who you've been. I prayed it right now. I'm on every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray right now that you will hear the voice of the Lord, that all of the comments, all of the things that you think can be silenced so that you can hear His voice speak to you. If He were standing face to face right now with you, Many of you would say, I don't know if I want that because he'd probably tell me all the things I'd done wrong. He'd probably tell you how much he loves you. He'd probably tell you exactly who he wants you to be. And we would probably come up with every argument of why we couldn't be that. And he would say something to the effect of, cast your net on the other side. This week when you get challenged and someone pushes your buttons, I want you to remember the other side. Not the side that you usually operate in. Use the other side. The Jesus side. Not the old self side. But I feel like today the ministry the Lord wants me to present to you is this. If you feel like you've been more Simon than Peter, I just want you to stand to your feet this morning and I want to pray for you. I feel like the old habits, the old you, the old modes of operation are surpassing how Jesus wants you to be and how he wants you to do it. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's anger, maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's a step that you know you need to take, but you know today the Lord is challenging you and you're holding on to what was so much that you're struggling to become who he says that you can be. If that's you today, I just want you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray over you today. Come on, anyone else? Come on. You've noticed that you've gone back to some old habits, some, some language, some, some old things, some, some stuff that you thought was done. You've been beating yourself up. For a while, you were doing well, but now you're, you're, you're tearing yourself down. Instead of speaking hope, you're coming up with every reason why it can't work. You're coming up with every single reason of why it may not happen. Come on, that's Simon. The Lord speaks a better word. Come on, the Lord speaks the better word. Is there anyone else? You need to stand to your feet today. I just want to pray over you. He speaks a better word over you. Everyone standing, will you lift your hands to the Lord today? Lord, today, I thank you that you speak a better word. What you say about us is so much different than what we're used to.
because we know how we talk to ourselves. We know the words we've spoken over ourselves. And Lord, today I pray that your voice, your voice will be the voice of truth to us. That we will hear you instead of listening to what we have always said and holding on to what we always thought. Today we choose the other side. Instead of siding with Simon, we're going with the Peter side. You're calling us today. We're hearing you. We're responding. So we're throwing our net on the other side of the boat. We're throwing our net on the other side of the boat. We're not going to try to control it any longer. We're going to trust you. We're going to follow you today, Lord. Pray for every person who's standing in this room. You know exactly the struggle. I pray you reaffirm them today. Tell them who they are. Remind them, hey, you're more than that. You don't have to beat yourself up. I've got a purpose for your life. I'm not finished with you yet. Come on, Lord, speak it to him today. Thank you, Father. For the other side. In Jesus' name. The rest of us stand, please. The other side. The other side. One last verse of scripture. Do you remember when Jesus told... He was teaching on the side of the mountain, the Beatitudes, I think it was. And he says this, if someone slaps you on the cheek, what did he say? Turn to the other side. And a lot of us, we've been living life with this side. We've been facing the world with the hurt side. It's time to turn to the other cheek. I'm not saying neglect it. I'm just saying there's another side to you. You're not finished. You're not done. You may have gotten hurt, but it's not over. Can I hear an amen? There's still the other side. And I just pray that as you hear this message today, it brings you to the place where you reflect a little bit. It's not how I want to be, and that's not who I want to be. I want to be who he says I am. Amen? Come on, this was good today. Come on, I even needed this message. And I pray it spoke something to you today. I don't know if you're clapping because I needed it or if you needed it or, or what, but I'll take it.